Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for Seminole Headlines, featuring Warchant.com's Jeff Cameron, Managing Editor Ira Chauffel, and Senior Writer Corey Clark. Your weekly dose of all things FSU, Pistols and Pies, starts right now. Here's Jeff Cameron. The Seminole Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV begins right now, and we'll get it out of the way. It's a little bit early today, guys. We recorded it this morning. It's not live, but everything we need to talk about is already there for the offering. We've got the schedule. We've got the reactions to it. And then, of course, we'll have headliner questions, even if Ira didn't post it till midnight. That was crazy. After a listener <laughs> prompt. Prompt. <laughs> yeah. It was, a, it was a busy, it was a busy Tuesday evening. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yay, sausage! Register sausage sponsoring the show as always, and we appreciate them very, very much. A lot of questions today about register sausage. People are looking for new recipes, guys, mm. with the sausage. They want to know new and interesting ways by which they could eat this sausage. Well, they should they should tell us what they come up with. Because uh, so far, I think we've we've gone mostly with the basics. I think the biggest I branched out is my uh, box of instant jambalaya throwing some registers in there. So, ooh, there you go, Ira. Nice, <laughs> Corey. Corey, you, uh, I got to give you credit or or Stephanie credit because uh, when you told me she chops yours up mm. and puts it in stuff on the regular and just throws it in a pan, I that's all I do now. I just chop yeah. it up and throw it in anything. It feels good. It's like you're uh, nibbling on just bites. It's just yeah. sausage bites. You're just popping in your mouth. I like it. I like just it. nibbling on that sausage. Uh, Registermeats.com is the website you can have it delivered uh to wherever you live but if you're in the southeast uh, certainly uh they're expanding every day i had a meeting actually yesterday guys with uh, you guys couldn't make it had a little lunch meeting with uh, i was unaware of it with i was, was oh. going to say i don't remember being invited to a meeting uh, i talked to your guys your people and they said oh, yeah, they just, didn't even make it up the flagpole yeah. to us yeah. so it was that unimportant the gatekeepers you guys have gatekeepers yeah. but uh sat down with ben and uh, his guy will yesterday and we talked about some some things that some more expansion in the works guys they're looking uh, not alaska yet but some more expansion if you uh if your grocery store does not have registered sausage go to the meat manager and tell them you want some registers right don't don't start a fight until they don't respond a few times and then then, you know, take things into your own hands. But make sure to ask for the meat manager when you walk into the right. store, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we do. I just say, where's the meat guy? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's how I like to do Where's and the you meat And you just yeah. ask, like, customers. You don't even ask somebody wearing the apron. <laughs> Usually the elderly. <laughs> yes, I try to target the elderly. Man, right. did you guys ever work in grocery stores? I know Corey did fast food jobs and you had the ice cream shop. Did you guys ever work in a Publix or grocery store? I stores? never did, and I wanted to. Uh, I worked – the closest thing I ever got to is I worked in the the family dollar store or whatever for like oh. two weeks, and I got fired. I hated it. So I worked at Publix back in the day, a long time ago, obviously. 
and people, the, the toughest part about that job was people would ask you like, where is like, where's the rice? You got to know where's everything the coffee. Is. And dude, I would just make stuff. Up. Oh, I, aisle 17. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I still and they're not coming back there. to complain. I mean, and if they do, else. you're like, oh, you misheard me. By the way, Ira, I don't think that flies anymore. Uh, Publix is up their game. The like, kids know now. They know where the hell stuff yeah. is now. You can ask anybody. That's the way it should have always been. Not my day. <laughs> I'm just, no. I'm not like that tour. Miami Publix where they yeah, just, they you got to fend for yourself. <laughs> now they're like, they're, you know, they must take tests on it or something. Because, yeah, they, they do. do everything. Back in my day, yeah, the only thing, you know, the, the only information I had is if they asked where they could get, you know, nickel bag or something. Maybe I, don't know. I was I was introduced nickel to the bag. Tough Life. Nickel oh, bag. Oh, nickel bag. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was even, introduced even to better. the Tough Life early on. I had to bar back at an early age. We were bar backing, buddy. That's what we were Oh, doing. yeah, yeah. Hey, bar backing on the beach is where it's at. You make a lot of money and you see a lot of beautiful women scantily clad at that. Not a bad deal. It. It's ideal for 16, 17-year-old because you can't serve beer. You're not allowed, but you, you get to see it all. I thought this is my life. I like this. <laughs> I want to be around these kinds of places the rest of my life. Um, all right. So it is. The schedule is out. Let's see it. Let's see it. Post it up. There it is. I like the schedule, guys. Let's just start big picture. I'm fine with the schedule. Every year people gripe about something. Schedule's fine to me. I have zero problems with the schedule. Let's say you. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have any problems with it either. I mean, I you know, nothing there's always going to be something you don't love because there's, they can't make everybody happy. I mean, last year's schedule, I think overall was, was pretty good. And this, I think this schedule is good as well. I mean, you're never, nothing's, you know, you can't ever get everything to line up exactly the way you want. And so Florida state certainly had some things that they would have had preferred from a ticket sales standpoint. Yeah. They're not thrilled about having three straight home games and it's going to be tough for fans who live in Miami or Atlanta to make three straight trips to Tallahassee. That's probably not going to happen for a lot of them. Uh, but from a competitive standpoint, the biggest thing is you're hoping they don't, you know, screw you over. And I don't think they did that. In fact, Corey and I were talking about it last night. You know, the fact that, you know, no teams that they play have a bye the week before uh, they right. play Florida State. And a lot of the teams that play Florida State have tough games the week before. I think Miami has NC State on the road the week before they, they come to Florida State. So, yeah, there are always things that you don't love. But overall, I think they took care of Florida State pretty well. Almost every one of Florida State's opponents after Clemson play either Pitt, Notre Dame, or NC State before they play FSU, and none of them have a bye week, as you noted, Ira. Hmm. That combination alone says, okay, you're all right there. That's not bad. Yeah, and the thing I brought up on the live show uh, yesterday, the, the only real trepidation I have at all about the schedule, and you have to play them at some point, is I just don't like Clemson that early. That, that's the only thing. I don't like it being the fourth game of the season. But I also understand why they did it. I don't think this is something they will typically do necessarily. But knowing that Florida State's a top 10 team, knowing that Clemson's a top 10 team, knowing there's a decent to very good chance that they play each other again in Charlotte, um, you you set that s- schedule up a little early, right? Like, I think if there were still divisions, this game is middle of October again. I think, but without divisions, they're like, look, this is probably going to be the first of two. Let's have it separated by a couple months and not, you know, feel like it's almost back to back. Yeah. And that, you know, the cool thing about that show and you guys were doing the live show last night, I was, I was watching the ACC broadcast and then I went back and watched it again after I put up the initial stories. And uh, it's interesting, man. Like if you watch that production, the way that they not only talk about Florida state, but the way they present Florida state, you know, in the opening segment, they show five clips of players and two of them are Florida state players. The first player they show is not Shipley 
or the quarterbacks from Duke or Carolina, it's Jordan Travis, which it should be. And then they wrap up with Jared Verse. And so you get two of the top five guys throughout the whole thing, tons of Florida State exposure. The analysts all pick Florida State to win the ACC. They pick Florida State and Clemson to get to the championship game. You could tell that the conference is – they've wrapped their mind around the idea that Florida State is, is back in, in prominence. And that's cool to see because, we, you know, they have not, they have not uh, celebrated Florida State for a long time. Think about the early ACC commercial that we all uh, had fun with. I mean, they did an entire one-minute montage that featured a half-second clip of the Sod Cemetery, and that was right. the end of it. They were like, yes, it was a big F you to Florida State. Yeah. This is a complete shift in mindset, and I dare say it isn't just because Florida State's winning. I think the mandate is that, hey, man, Nobody cares about Wake Forest. Nobody cares about Boston College. Nobody cares about Duke football. Nobody cares about half the teams in this league, bare minimum. <laughs> the, the marquee teams in this league are Florida State and Clemson, period. After that, it's Miami and Virginia Tech, maybe. And then I don't know, whatever, Louisville, whoever. I mean, there's not. So I think they finally have figured it out here, and and they're helped out a lot here by the fact that Florida State's finally good. I mean, we had to right. do our part too, but it seems to me that somebody said, "Look, guys, you ain't, nobody's watching us for lacrosse." I mean, this is the Corey Clark article. Yeah. I mean, come on, man, what are we doing at the ACC Network? Nobody's watching these other football team games either. Um, <laughs> you know, I I wrote that story. It came out Monday. Ira, did you see those numbers? You did. Oh, you yeah. edited in the fact, story. Like, yeah, and in fact, I had a couple of people call me later in the day blown away by some of the numbers. So, you know, those condensed games they have on the ACC network, Jeff, that's yeah. a really cool thing. Not every it network is. does that. So kudos to the ACC for doing that. It's a really cool way to go back and rewatch a game. They're about 20 to 25 minutes long. Yeah. They put, they show just about every play of a game. Well, Florida state, their condensed games this year have gotten right at 1.7 million views. What, which is a ton. Um, the next closest is Clemson at like 950,000. Wake Forest is like 240,000 views total. Virginia's 230,000. You could take the last five, because I did them all. I did every condensed game of what the viewership was on YouTube, which is a pretty good measure now in the year, in the age we live in, to know how um, popular a team is. Is there, There's the YouTube, the streaming, uh, the, the, the streaming viewership. The last five teams combined didn't add up to how many views Florida State had as one team. If you took all their condensed games, all 35 of them, they didn't make they didn't get as much as Florida State did. It's Florida State is far and away the marquee program in this conference when it's good. And finally it's good again. And it was good to see the ACC network cared. I thought it was crazy. They were pimping the Florida State Clemson rivalry. We were laughing um, about for like that. three minutes. And more than half of the highlights were Florida State highlights. And a Clemson fan might be guys. We haven't lost to them. And since Jameis Winston was uh, shouting what he shouted at the student union. That was eight years ago, and we haven't lost to him. But yeah, there was. Uh, so it's not been a great rivalry here lately. But uh, hopefully, it's coming back. But you know what also is interesting is you know, and, and Roddy Jones, who was one of the commentators they had on the show. It was Roddy Jones. That's who yeah. I thought. I wasn't sure. Okay. Yeah, and he he made a point. He's like, look, you know, if you're Clemson, you might be asking, why are they giving us Florida State so early? Because where those two teams are right now, you would assume. And Mark Rick said Florida State has a massive advantage at quarterback. Because you have Jordan Travis versus a quarterback, and uh, that's will be making his fifth start, Kate Klubnick, and he's a talented kid. He might be very good. Maybe he'll have a great game that day. But as right now, you'd say, man, Florida State getting Clemson early in the years when it gives it's an advantage to Florida State. Florida State's bringing everybody back. You've got an experienced quarterback, experienced players. 
You got brought in a bunch of veterans. Clemson's kind of, you know, going to take a little bit of time to kind of get going. They lost a lot from last year, including uh, the breaking a new quarterback. So Clemson probably might have preferred to have that game later in the year. So it's kind of an advantage to Florida State. And Roddy Jones even said on the show, he's like, look, you know, people are going to ask the ACC, you guys made the schedule. Why did you do this to Clemson? But I think, look, man, they're doing what they got to do. It's Florida State's the better team. If you were putting money right now on which team has a chance, better chance to make the playoff, We'll see. It has to happen, but but right now I think you'd put the money on Florida State, and I think the ACC is kind of putting their chips on Florida State right now. Well, and also they know that those two teams are likely to play again, like we talked right. about at the outset. They don't want those two teams playing twice in four weeks or something like that, so you, yeah. you had to do that. But the other thing I would note here is that because you play LSU to start the year and you play Clemson in, in the fourth week of the season, so you know your first four games, anyhow, there's a lot of pressure that immediately shifts to Adam Fuller in this defense. I think we know this offense will hit the ground running. We know this offense because they just did it a year ago, and they're even better now. And you've got all that experience with Jordan Travis, but you brought a ton of people back, and you've added to this defense. If you're going to be 3-1 and one or 4-0 and oh to start the year, which opens the door for you to make the college football playoff, opens the door for you to win the conference and maybe be a top-five team at the end of the season, you're going to have to get stops against two very good football teams, LSU and Clemson. One of those games is on the road. The other, obviously, in Orlando, which is a pseudo-home game. We'll see, but – I think the pressure shifts to that defense. It was there anyhow, but because you're playing two good teams to start the year, I think that defense has got to take huge steps forward. They probably can. I'm not saying they won't. It's not an admonishment. It's just I think the pressure is on them because I think Forest State's offense is going to be elite all year long. I mean, you'd like to think, but we also saw the Wake Forest first half. We saw the Oklahoma early in that game. We saw some other games as well where the Florida State offense took a while to get going. So I'm with you on paper for sure. But in some of these bigger games, the offense has to get off to a better start, too. Yeah, I, that's what I – the one thing, the one advantage when you look at this schedule and you think about those two games in the first four weeks is – and, I, again, I mentioned on the show uh, on Monday night – is this team now has some experience with stages, big stages. And those are going to be big – those are going to be the two biggest stages of the season. Um, and they, they – you know, that Oklahoma game, I know it was a cheese it Bowl, but it was a massive crowd for that game. And there was a lot of – there was – legitimate pressure on a team in a cheese-up bowl to get to 10 wins. And I didn't think they played well. I know they didn't play well to start that game. But as the game went on, they did play well. They won that game. There was pressure on them to beat Florida because that was not a good Florida team, and they wanted to finish with five straight wins. They didn't play well at times in that game, but they won the game. I just think that the way that team learned to deal with stages after that three game, like they were good good against LSU, um, although they kind of melted down in the fourth quarter. Then I thought the stage got the moment maybe got we've talked about maybe got a little too big for them in that three game losing streak that weight game they did not handle it well at all they were on their way to not handling it well against Florida and they did they beat Florida Oklahoma they handled the stage against Miami very very well the point being you've got all this experience coming back and you've got guys all over your football team that have played well in big moments with a lot of people watching they're used to the stage we could not say that about this team last year the only time they played well really with people watching was the Notre Dame game, and that was a game they were down by 18 points and came back and tied it with a backup quarterback. Now they all have experience of playing well in big moments, and I think that should serve them well, and hopefully they don't have those ruts where they give up 28 to what, twenty-eight straight to Wake or 27 straight to Clemson. That was all part of the growing process for that team, though. They've yeah. come out the other side. They won 10 games. The only stinker they played last year was NC State. 
They were awful in that game, and they should be ashamed of themselves. There was a backup quarterback, couldn't throw a forward pass. I thought they were terrible for the entire first half against Wake Forest. The offense in particular was dreadful in that game. Uh, obviously, they rallied in that game. But you were talking about a Wake Forest team that was veteran-laden with a 40-year-old quarterback who lit up the league forever. I, you know, Listen, you look at the schedule now. Florida State's the veteran-laden team with the yeah. star quarterback. Florida State's the one that's come out the other side of those matchups and figured out that they can win, and they can win when a lot of pressure is on them. They should enter this season brimming with confidence. They've got talent. They have depth. I foresee not too many of those lulls that we're referencing this year. They were growing up last year, and they did so while winning 10 games, which is a huge plus. Now you got to go be dominant in a lot of these games. I think the schedule sets up for them to blow out five or six of these teams. Hell, they blew out seven of them last year, and, and that team was still learning. So I think Florida State's got a lot of easy wins on this schedule. Yes, we'll see about LSU and Clemson. There's always one other game where maybe you don't have your best stuff or somebody's a little better than we thought they would be in the preseason. But I think, honestly, this schedule really sets up nicely for a veteran team with a ton of talent. So Corey mentioned the cheese bowl So did you guys – I know you guys were doing the live show at the time – but did you go back and see the the videos that FSU released with each game's announcement? I wrote about it this morning. People, not, can go, no. people can go to the story I wrote. I recapped them all, kind of get a breakdown of each video. I saw the then, only one I saw was the Clemson game. The Clemson one's awesome. But, yeah, it is. But, really but even the, the the first one's great because it's Jordan walks into the, uh, the, the equipment room. He goes to the equipment managers, and they're like, hey, Jordan, we've got your cheese at bowl championship shirt. And it's, you know, it's a great T-shirt from the cheese at bowl. He's like, oh, thanks, awesome. And he goes, goes to his locker room, and he just throws it in the back of the thing, kind of like, yeah, man, who cares? Like that night it was cool. Yeah. But man, this team has such bigger goals now than the cheese. I just thought it was a real subtle way to kind of make that statement. And all the videos are really good. People should check them out. The one uh, Corey mentions, the Clemson one is awesome because it's, they're in the quarterback meeting room and Jordan's sitting there looking at his laptop and it's Jameis giving his speech before the Clemson game in 2013 and uh, put a smile on your faces. Yeah. And so then as they're, as they're sitting there, they look up on the projection screen and they're all squinting, uh, A.J. Duffy, Jordan Tate, and they're all squinting to see the thing like Jamie's used to squint and then it comes into focus and it's the date of the game. It's so really well clearly, done. By the way, clearly there was a mandate from the league for these kinds of videos. Duke's right. done it, North Carolina, everybody did it in the league. And I would say that between now and, I don't know, a month from now, we will have watched all of the programs and what they produced. You saw the Duke video with the crab legs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Jameis is making a comeback. Jameis no, but, is making a comeback in the But ACC. I think it's fantastic. It's yeah. smart. Like, the league needs to do this. You've got to familiarize yourself, personalize yourself. You've got to become something. I mean, that's something somebody's going to watch and laugh. And for no yeah. other reason, they'll be paying attention to that game. And yeah, I'll tell man. you something else, like as much as the football program has risen up and gotten so much better, think about where the FSU digital media was oh, the school two or three years ago yeah. with Martin Luther King yeah. with the Nike glove on and all that. Not, I mean, it was an, it was just a pretty awful product. And now it's, I mean, they do great work there. They really do. Like it, they, they, they've made some, apparently some incredible hires. Well, it's a combination of two things. One is different departments. They're now working closer with, it used to be called Seminole Productions. Now it's yeah. Seminole Sports Cinema, but now they've got more of a role. Uh, back then at that time, and they were just basically using whoever they hired on their you know social media team, yeah. whoever the team hired some, some yeah. sports information. But now, yeah, man, they've got, they've got the big guns involved. And so, yeah, you're right, Jeff. It's awesome. I think that the whole league did it. I thought the Florida State staff did a tremendous job. And the players, man, like the personality, Johnny Wilson, gets on a Harley and he's like acting like he's riding a Harley. They have to love this. Cool Was stuff. that for Wake? Was that for Wake? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. 
That's yeah, fun. Funny. That's fun. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, no, we're we're further along to say the least. <laughs> we were. Uh, I used to cringe. I'd wake up every day like, did we do something really asinine today? Okay, good, <laughs> good. The nation won't be making fun of us today. Seminal headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV continues in a moment. You asked for it and they listened. My bookie designed a unique deposit bonus that lets you cash in and cash out quick. A unique deposit bonus for sports bettors who want to focus on what to bet and not a payout sweat. Make your first deposit today with the promo code PROMO. Wager your deposit amount once, and you're eligible to cash out. If you want a sports book that gives you the most for your money, bet on the big game with my bookie, pregame, live lines, and Super Bowl props. Bet anything from the opening coin toss to the length of the national anthem to the color of the Gatorade dumped on the winning coach. I can't tell you exactly who's going to win the Super Bowl, but I can tell you where I'm placing my bets. My bookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Seminal Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. Seminal Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Aftermath of the schedule, if you will. A lot of discussion about that next hour, of course. Headliner questions. Was there anything, I, I don't know, maybe putting you guys on the spot, big picture, and we'll go back through it today and throughout the rest of the week because Obviously, we have a lot of other things going on. One of the reasons we had to record today, baseball player interviews and coaches and all that good stuff. But uh, was there anything that stood out about the ACC scheduling that didn't involve Florida State that uh, you thought interesting? For example, I, I just saw where Louisville basically avoids every good team in the ACC. I don't know if you saw it. The way this <laughs> fell. They don't play Florida State. They don't play Clemson. They don't, I mean, they don't play like anybody. It's insane. No, I mean, I, had, I actually hadn't gone through them all. Um, I don't know if Corey has, but – um, I mostly looked at Florida State and, and, and Clemson and, and just trying to see if the big question I have was whether or not Florida State got uh, done wrong because even FSU didn't know for sure. You know, people I talked to in the program who they they knew what Florida State schedule was going to look like, but they didn't know how everybody else's schedule was going to play out. So that was one of the big things, just like we all do as as media or fans, is look to see who who you play around uh, yeah. your opponents. Yeah. You know, the FSU staff was doing that last night as well, and I think overall, I think they felt pretty good about it. Yeah, especially when you look at the t the prior opponents, and uh, nobody gets a really a break before they play Florida State. Like we mm -hmm. talked about, no bye. You have to go to Pitt. Well, the week before Pitt's playing Notre Dame. Um, right. So again, you they they did not do uh, FSU wrong at all with how how that's set up. There aren't any there like they used to. Remember, it used to be like um, two or three teams would have buys before playing Florida State, and they are they'd get a buy on the Saturday before a Thursday night game, and Florida State would have to play that Saturday. Just dumb stuff that you don't do. To your marquee program. Do you remember Alabama getting screwed by the SEC a few years back where every team that played oh, Alabama yeah. had a bye the week before and the game ended up being at night when they hosted it? So there was always a home night game coming off of a bye. And Nick Saban, yeah. after like the third one of these, was like, guys, <laughs> what the hell are we doing around here? All we do is hold the mantle for the SEC every yeah. year and I'm getting bent over every week on the road in the SEC off of a bye. I remember cracking up about that. He wasn't wrong. I was like, you're, you're right. This is yeah. crazy. Yeah. The, they're trying to make it uh, more fair for the other schools. It's like, that's not how this should work. No. Yeah. They, uh, the, and then the, you know, the one concern I, you know, definitely heard from some people and I, and I get it is having the bye in September is not ideal for sure. But I think it's also important to remember, and I wrote about this in the takeaways I put up on the site, you have a, you know, you have a good month of contact before the season even starts. So it's not like every team is just like spry and totally fresh on game one. 
and then game four, you're still feeling great. By game by the fourth or fifth week, you've been playing football for a good two months. So it's not you'd rather have it in the middle of the season, but I think you'd much rather have it in where it is now as opposed to like week nine, which happened. I remember when Jimbo was here one year, Florida State played eight or nine games plus your whole preseason camp before you ever got a break. There's a couple of things to think about with this, and I think coaches could bitch either way. So yeah. can fans. It's very difficult. You pointed that out, Ira. I, I Coaches now have tougher decisions than ever before. There was one way of coaching when I grew up. <laughs> I'm old. Uh, you hit every day. That's how this worked. Everybody hit, and they beat the hell out of each other, and that was football. And we did goal line for an hour at the end of practice. And it you weren't allowed not, water? You didn't have water? No water. Oh, water was incentivized, Corey. Yeah. Uh, this was the thing. Like, if you finish this drill the way I want you to finish this drill, then maybe you get a sip of water. Right. Junction Boys-style stuff lasted mm. for 40 years. Got it. Now, that obviously is antiquated and not a good way of thinking. I do think, though, that it is a balancing act for coaches when you have an LSU and a Clemson on the horizon for two games in your first four that are going to be extremely physical, violent, fast. How much, and, and, and I'm curious, it'll be interesting to see Mike Norvell. He is so organized, right? Everything he does, there's a purpose to all of this. Um, I'm supposed to sit down with him next week with an interview for warchant.com, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to ask him this question because I'm kind of curious. How does he gauge contact in the weeks leading up to the start of the season? Because you can argue, and some coaches do, that when you're playing the, the most experienced and fastest and most athletic teams early in a season, you've got to be ready to be violent. And that only comes from hitting. You can't do that. You can't replicate something that you haven't been doing. So you have to be able to hit in practice while also pulling back a little bit, knowing how physical those get. It's just tough, man. That's a balancing act. And I'm curious to see what he does because you can't go through camp and not hit, especially if you're going to be playing LSU and Clemson within the first four weeks of the season. Also ask him uh, if he knows just how handsome he is. Like if there's, I mean, don't save that for the end. I mean, you don't lead with that, obviously. But so I'd like to, I, know I always Tom's wonder if really good looking this. people, if really good looking people understand objectively they're good looking. They must. Well, Cor Corey, you and I just give each other the nod when we walk into the room. Mm, that's a good point. Like, yeah, you look, you look good today. Yeah, we. I, why do you have to say it? You're right. It's like, yeah, just, just a nod. But yeah, Norvell has the, Norvell has the handicap of having hair. And that's so you guys can't. Well, you know, that's a good. That's got to be a that's challenge a for him. Point. That's true. Yeah. That's uh, true. You know, it's funny though, man. Like you say that, and I, and I agree. And if you talk to old time football coaches, they will all lament the fact that there's not hitting in practice anymore. It's soft. It's soft. They'll, they'll I, I actually get a little I, uncomfortable watching how soft practices are. But how? Here's the great thing. That all stems from the NFL. It's the NFLPA yes. that mandated that. They're like, yes. look, we're not hitting every day anymore. But what's amazing is that product is better than it's ever been. Like those defenses are unbelievable. And it's not like, you know, when, back in the day when the guys, when we were growing up were playing, I mean, obviously they're bigger, stronger, faster now, but it's not like it's hurt the product. The product I think is as good as it's ever been. Yeah. I, th I There's always been an argument and this existed back when I played and, and, and people I knew who played at a much higher level than me. The argument is that by the time you get to the pros, you know how to tackle. I don't, I have to teach you how to tackle. If you're a professional football player, you know how to tackle. You wouldn't have gotten here. We wouldn't have, your film would have said you couldn't tackle. So I, I know you can tackle. So they shouldn't be hitting as much because they're the creme de la creme of players. They're the best athletes in the world. They're 250 pounds running 4'4. I don't need you hitting me every day. This isn't going to work out. Whereas in college, 
you're still developing a lot of guys, like especially freshmen and sophomore. They got to hit. They got to hit. They're getting bigger and stronger. It's just a weird deal. But I think especially when you're going to play two violent games early in the season, you've got to be ready to go. Now, you can take some time down downtime when you're playing Duke and Wake and teams like that. I, no offense to those teams. Not saying they don't have guys that can hit you. But the speed and the violence is not the same as it will be for LSU and as it will be for Clemson. It's just it's just interesting to see how he gauges that and what he'll do. I, I think he's done a good job. I, those practices are not violent to me. To me, I think you know those guys have got to be pretty happy. But I think it's I think some of a fifty-one-year-old man, you know. But I think that's college football. I mean, I think that's how it is everywhere now. But but the other thing I would say though is, think back to last season. I thought in the vast majority of the, the big games, I thought LSU for sure. Um, Florida State was the more physical team in a lot of the games they played. An exception, though, I think, was Wake Forest, oddly enough. I thought yeah. Wake Forest was more physical than Florida I did State too. for whatever I did reason. Um, so they had offense. 38 year olds that were left over from COVID. It's yeah. Saying the whole team was 30 plus year old guys running around just dominating. It oh, was grad assistance. Yeah, and that, that offense, too, was just so bizarre. But yeah, their defense, I thought, kind of took it. I think Florida State only ran for yeah. 120 yards in that game. That's yeah, it was just saying. a bad game all around for Florida State. Yeah, yeah and, and I understand to some degree. Uh, FSU's defensive performance, the fact that, you know, you didn't have Fabian Lovett and Robert Cooper, by the way, was still out. By the way, Big Coop, I ran into him the other day and um, he's got his arm in a sling. So whatever mm. whatever was plaguing him throughout the season, he got cleaned up uh, after the season. He says he will be available to do his pro day workouts. I don't think it was a major surgery, but he had something done and uh, he'll be able to do the pre-draft workouts and pro day. We all love Robert Cooper, so we hope things go well for him. But little uh you know proof that what we thought during the season was that he wasn't close to 100 percent. do you like that they're starting uh with lsu and I, I bring this up because of the defensive line or would it wouldn't it would it be advantageous for another duquesne to roll in here uh, because guys like Braden fisk um you know these guys that you know can play or we assume can play these transfers but they have not played in games like this. I just talked about how all these guys are on uh, used to big stages. Jaheim Bell obviously has, but a guy like Braden Fisk hasn't. You know, I don't know what Western Michigan's biggest crowd was, but it wasn't Orlando against LSU on national TV. So uh, just getting used to the being a Florida State player, would it matter at all? And also like a practice to help, uh, almost like a scrimmage to help get used to the physicality of uh, Florida State football. I don't I'm know fine with it. Yeah, I don't know what Jeff thinks. I, I think it's marginal. I mean, maybe yeah. it would be a little bit better. But I think a guy at that level, and we and you talked to him. You were there when we talked yeah. to him last week. I mean, that dude is an impressive. Again, we've talked about all these transfers: Casey Roddick and Braden Fisk and uh, Keandre Jones from Auburn. They're all very impressive, well um, experienced veteran players. I just think those guys are going to be. You mentioned Jaheim Bell too. I just think the one uh, the one guy I'd wonder about is Kyle Morlock. I mean, that guy went from playing wow. in Division II games in Georgia to that stage. I, I don't know if I'm dialing up a lot of th- a lot of throws to Kyle Morlock early in that game. Might get let him get used to it, but the rest of them I think will be all right. Yeah, and you're going to learn about these guys in camp. I mean, you, you're going to yeah. see with, with well, Kyle I mean, Kyle Morlock's speed and, and the violence of a scrimmage at Florida State, for example. We'll find out uh, how you handle that because it's a huge step up whether you're playing LSU or if in the case of Kyle Morlock, you're playing FSU's defense in a scrimmage. It's it's still speed. It's still violence. It's still a huge step up. They'll have those in the stadium before they play LSU. As we all know, the lights will turn on. It'll be a big deal. They'll find out whether or not – they'll find out whether or not he can handle that 
or if it's a little much for him early on. Um, so I, I, I don't worry about it. And I don't worry about Fisk either. It'd be different if he was out on an island like a corner. Yeah. Just taking that step up against elite receivers. Uh, this is the defensive line, man. The big uglies just get after each other. This is about that's about sheer um, strength and, and, and toughness. And I think he probably has that, or they wouldn't have invited him in. So I, I don't worry about it. And I'm actually excited they're playing LSU early uh, again this year. I, I, we saw LSU get a lot better as the year went on. They'll be ready to play. Florida State got a lot better as the year went on. Uh, but I like the way Mike has his teams ready to play in these moments. So I, Does, I like, you, do you guys think that LSU is going to have a QB? controversy slash competition like a real one i mean the way that kid came in and threw against georgia and then they kind of went back and forth in the bowl game um i think there's a chance they're playing two quarterbacks not that we should talk about a breakdown a game that's eight yeah. months from now but <laughs> I, I i was curious about that and maybe that's another good re, uh, a good time to play lsu is the first game of the year because of that and florida state has the better quarterback no matter who they're starting a quarterback at lsu so that's Amen. uh FSU's got the better situation uh, right off the bat. Seminole Headlines, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV continues in just a moment. Seminole Headlines returns now. Head to YouTube and search for War Chant TV today to catch the show live or on demand. Now, here's Jeff Cameron, Ira Chofel, and Corey Clark. One thing I found refreshing and exciting is that every year when the schedule comes out, people are pretty excited because it's a chance for everybody to reconnect talk about the games they're going to go to with their friends or their families. Uh, by the way, boys, just so you know, uh, your surrogate father, my real father, mm. will be attending the pit game. So we're all going to the pit game. Nice. Okay. Nice. So we'll all be up there having a cold one together, once again up in Pittsburgh, enjoying it. Last time it was 10 years ago for the Jameis game. Um, went to the uh, Pirates game. Corey, you and I are in that picture with my dad yeah. at the Pirates game. There's that yep. one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got a chance to, to get together again. Let's group together. Well, maybe we can get Gene to get us an Airbnb. And then in the mornings, like have breakfast and with pops, Corey and I and pops can sit on the front porch, maybe read the paper, have a cup I of coffee, just sit at the kitchen table and have a talk. Like just while, while Jeff's whipping up eggs, we're talking, we're talking I, I would, about, life. I would do that for you guys. And by the way, I would want to make it old school. We would buy a newspaper and go through the box scores. <laughs> yes. Oh, nice. Good. They, yeah. Dude, they don't run box scores in newspapers anymore. Are there Those no more are, box they're, scores? They're printed like two days earlier, dude. They, they, that ain't happening anymore. Man, an entire generation of kids have missed yes. out on the joy of racing to the breakfast yeah. table before school and looking up box scores and finding out who really did win that West coast game between the angels and the twins that I have no idea who won because we didn't have sports center back then. Now I feel bad for them because now they can just get on their phone and watch the highlights of the game when yeah. they get up. They don't yeah. get the box score. Like you we feel, did. That was, cool. you feel bad for them for that. I, I was a joke. Yeah. Oh, like gosh. Brady knows everything has happened before I do because he's seen the highlights or he's seen it on Instagram. I Man, will when, say this. I will say this. There is an acquired knowledge that takes place over a long stretch of time when you're forced to scour box scores every morning. Like you begin to see who's consistent, who's not in a way that you wouldn't with just a highlight. And some like, little morsels, little morsels yeah, little, you might little find. Tidbits here. Yeah. Who moves the runner over, Corey? Who moves the runner over? They ain't showing that highlight. Well, they're they not showing it in a box all. score either. You know, really? think, they don't have a well, box can, score that says can, move runners over. You can figure it out with the sacks. But yeah, the other thing, <laughs> I remember when they got rid of the game-winning RBI stat, I was like, oh, wait, gosh. I like the game-winning RBI stat. Mm -hmm. Even though it was stupid. I, it just, was really I do remember – I also I remember like uh, being amazed. This is funny. This is a, a little quick box score 
a deviation from the schedule talk, guys. <laughs> um, I, I, one of the things that I remember as a kid, and I've always hung on to it, is there was a stretch where Rod Carew got a hit every day for 100 years. Right, and he right. had to have doubled DiMaggio's streak. It just wasn't recorded. <laughs> I right. swear to God, I would get into uh, every morning. I'd be like, Rod Carew with two more hits? Jesus, this Rod Carew. I would sit around and watch This Week in Baseball. Twin, um, notes, twin notes, Mel Allen. Yeah. And I would sit around and watch This Week in Baseball with Mel Allen and just listen to him talk about Rod Carew because I could never see him play. Yeah. I couldn't wait to see Rod Carew play this figment of my imagination that goes two for four every night. A la- my, my last uh, old man comment before, before we lose all of the uh, listeners under 40. So when the National came out, I know you guys read the National too when it came out. And for people that don't know if you're below 40 or whatever and you don't know what the National was, think of it as – Somebody tried to put the internet, all the sports from the internet in a newspaper every day mm. because it literally, you go out to the box and it would be, I don't know, it sent like 300 pages. It was awesome. But, but the box scores was the best part because they had the like in depth extended box scores for every game, dude. It was just yeah. pages and pages. Play of by play, score. the play by play of the box it, score. It was yeah. Unbelievable, man. So the other, the, the last of the box score mentions is uh, how I learned that Emmett Smith was a god at Pensacola, Scambia, was box scores. I would, because I knew I was going to be going to Lakewood High School. My brother had gone to Lakewood High School. And so I was following his team uh, while, you know, he's four years older than me. So I would watch, you know, him play. And then on Saturday mornings, I'd want to see what the other teams in the state did and whether it was too late to get the game or not. You know, you were trying to find. And I would see what Naples did and what the teams down in Miami did. But, man, this – this Emmett Smith at Pensacola Scambia just rushes for 300 yards yeah. every night. This is ridiculous. I'd never heard of him. And then when he announced he was going to Florida, I was devastated. I was like, no, why are you going to Florida? And then it was artificial turf back then, too. So he looked even – it was insane. Uh, but, yeah, so box scores. He, he ended up having a good career, right? He wasn't just a high right. school wonder. Okay. Not like well, Marquette. Fully Smith. realized uh, five star went on to yeah. have a great college and pro career, I'd say. Didn't For win much reason. at Florida, though. Didn't win much at Florida when he was there. Nah, didn't didn't have much of a quarterback and uh, yeah. a lot of coaching issues. You know, but th- speaking of him and the Cowboys, though, like I'm just thinking of him with the Cowboys. It feels like lately there's been a lot of, I don't know, just Cowboys history stuff. Like Michael Irvin, I heard him on a podcast the other day, and I just saw something with Barry Switzer and it's kind of amazing that they didn't even win more than they – I think I heard Dion talking about this as well. I mean, that team was unbelievable. And oh, didn't, win, didn't they win three Super Bowls? Yeah, Bowl? man, but they could have won four probably years. a couple more. Three so. three and four years. If Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones hadn't gotten – Couldn't have they, gotten – yeah. yeah. They would have kept winning. They, they There was no salary cap for one thing, and he could just spend a yeah. billion dollars on every good player under the sun. And they had pro bowlers and Hall of Famers at every position, quite literally. <laughs> so <laughs> – I mean, Daryl Johnson was the fullback, Hall of Famer. Emmitt Smith was the tailback, Hall of Famer. Troy Aikman was the quarterback, Hall of Famer. Michael Irvin was the star receiver, all those Hall linemen, of Famer. All I those mean, linemen. The list, that entire offensive line, the offensive Hall line. Of I mean, yeah. it was insane. So, yeah. Uh, them in San Francisco had those epic wars where they bo- both their owners just threw gobs of money in a non-salary cap league. I remember when the NFL went to the salary cap thinking, well, this is the ruination of the sport. Nobody's going to have any backups. What do you do? And it's – it's actually kind of probably saved the sport in a lot of ways because your team can be two and 15 these days, 17 game schedule, and you could go to the playoffs the next year in a salary cap league. It can happen. I mean, we, we just watched, we just watched the Bengals in the AFC championship game a year after going to the Super. I mean, it's, it's amazing that that franchise is relevant again. 
Yeah. 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 Joe Burrow. <laughs> it's yeah. Him and Chase. That's it. There you go. Well, they, their defense is good too, though. Like they, yeah. they, it is this year. It is this that, year. That's kind of what, uh, bringing it back to college football, that's, that's what the portal can do, right? Like it, it, mm-hmm. it makes, I know people think the rich are getting richer, but I, I think the, I think the college football, the transfer portal has made it where you can get better really quick. I mean, I don't think that. I know that. That's a dumb, everybody, that's a no duh comment. But I think it's making it more like the NFL, where there is going to be more parity. And we look at this schedule and say, yeah, Florida State's better than all these teams. Well, we don't really know in January what these teams are yet. We have a good idea what Florida State is. They have a lot of really good players that are coming back. But for all we know, Pitt might have a a, a couple really good transfers. They might be a more experienced team than we think. We just have no idea right now. But we do know there's a chance that everybody on the schedule is better than we think they're going to be. Every single one, because you don't know, because I think that's what the portal gives you, right? It really does give you parity. Let me ask you guys this. So, so at lunch yesterday that you guys missed, unfortunately, with Ben, he actually yeah. had a headliner's question. And I, I feel it's better to ask it now so I don't forget about it during hour two when Jeff's rifling through the all the Twitter right. questions and occasional <laughs> Facebook questions. Um, so he this was his premise. Is Mike Norvell, we talk about how, Man, what a raw deal that coaching staff got in year one with coming in after the mess of Willie and Jimbo and then COVID year and everything else. Are they better off today having had that happen, but having the use of the portal and everything else? And and Jordan Travis, those guys getting the extra year. So Jordan Travis and Fabian Lovett and all these guys who can be super seniors are here now, or would they have been better off if they had had a, a normal first year? and could have got some momentum going early? It's a good question. It's a really good question. The only thing I'd say is, uh, we well, A, we can't know that. I the, the, I know, but it's just, your, it's the, just a fun the, exercise because Jordan wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for the COVID year, Jordan yeah. wouldn't be. I don't think Fabian Levitt, Levitt would have eligibility. There's a bunch of guys. Braden Fisk wouldn't have eligibility. The, There's the a reason, bunch of guys on this team. The reason I'm inclined to say that they're better off, and we couldn't have known they would be, that they're better off now than they would have been, is partly because of the transfer portal, which we didn't know what this was going to be and, and their usage of it, but because they did not assemble a staff, he did not assemble a staff that had connections to Florida high schools and great relationships. They would not have been able to utilize the new car smell to the same degree some coaching staffs have when they've entered into the state of Florida and 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 brought in a haul of five-star kids just because of the excitement around first-year coaches. So you would have got some of it, but maybe not as much as not as much as you normally would. Right. And so therefore it may not, because I would argue that, yes, you wouldn't have had Jordan Travis, but you, maybe you would have signed a five-star quarterback. if You would have been able to hit the ground running and recruiting in the high schools, but you couldn't. And you wouldn't have, you probably wouldn't have been five and seven in year two. You probably would have had a better year there. So yeah, it's, it's just an interesting exercise. It's a tough call, but yeah. And Hey, listen, the way they've utilized it better than anybody in the country. I mean, there's only a couple other teams in the conversation about the usage of the portal the way that Florida State has. This is acknowledged beyond Tallahassee. Uh, people sit back and watch the way that this staff, and Mike Norvell in particular, has utilized it, and they're they're envious. I love hearing the anger. They're like, well, what's Florida State? This is ridiculous. People will just push back, push back, push back because you're It's having- like it used to be in the 90s with high school recruiting. Right. Like, what is Florida State selling these kids? Why do all these All-Americans want to go play, with, go to Florida State when they're not going to play? It's you're getting that same kind of incredulity about why in the world is Florida state just killing it in the portal? 
Like they're beating uh, out Notre Dame for a Western Michigan kid. What is going on? Right. Corey, I don't know if it's the glasses or what, but you nailed that word. Well, Look, and man. he was nervous about it. You could tell. You could tell there was yeah. a bear, there was a minimal stutter at the beginning because yes. he wasn't sure he was using the word properly. But I'm so proud of him. No, for no, no. Reaching I, back knew, I knew I was using it. the word popular properly. I didn't know if I was going to pronounce it correctly. Incredulity. I mean, you want to say incredulous? You know, you want to go yeah, that you route. You can say uh, yeah. incredulous, but you went with the root yes. word. Yeah. Yes. Look, it guys, a- this it is the glasses. Also, I just start thinking about Norvell. It just the 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 brain works a little better. You know what I mean, uh, Jeff? You can understand. It's early in the morning. I got to get something going. I got to get the juices flowing a little bit. Jeff, so, can you make him stop? Iris he curled you, into the field. Make position. him stop. <laughs> you brought it, it up. Getting Iris. a little excessive. Well, yeah, yeah. You're gonna Sorry. make him uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. Mike's gonna be like, "Yes, Corey." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. Yeah, but it probably gets back to him. But again, this isn't. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not attracted to him. I'm just saying he's an attractive guy. There's a, there's I, a difference. Keep saying it though. Keep saying well, it. I know. Either way. Hey, Either it's way. okay. He's secure in his masculinity. I'm looking right. forward to headliner questions, but they're not coming for two more minutes, guys. So I don't know how you want to round out the hour if we're being hey, honest. Hey, we could talk about basketball, here, guys. We could talk about basketball. We could, we could. That I don't was, want to uh, talk about that nightmare. And yesterday I brought it up to Corey just because I was so pissed. I'm still pissed off. Guys, it's one thing to stink. It's another thing to just butcher the end of games like we sometimes do, and especially the other night. They butchered that game. Yeah, but who cares? Awful. My point was who cares? They're 8-14, and 7-15. and 15. It doesn't matter. No, it At least it was encouraging that that they got down 16-2 to two uh, I don't and, fought and didn't just lay He's down like they did on Tuesday. Up. That's ridiculous. Ira had to explain the ending of the game. That bothers me to no end. Well, that that was not. Yes, that right. was a little uncomfortable. Yes, it was. It uh, was. A buddy of mine texted me um, yesterday or the day after the game, and was like, "So I saw the last play. Explain to me why they let that kid get a free run to the basket." And I was like, "Dude, you need to go back six seconds to." There's a whole lot of other questions you got to ask before you even get to that play. The foul with nine point two. The whole, all of it. It was bad. Bad. The inbounds to the wrong guy. All of it. I mean, what? Not having a timeout left. Well, because you used one off of Clemson's yeah. timeout. What are we the, doing? To decide to foul. To foul. To foul. Decide, then, you took the timeout to decide to foul with nine seconds. Yeah, no, they, they, was, the last 10, guys, 10 12 I, we, seconds. We, all three of us good. love the man. We yeah. love him. That was a blank show. At, well, at least. That's, that's the first time this year I've been that kind of angry. That was not, third. And I normally I'm the big picture guy, and I agree with what Corey's saying, so I'm, I'm with him on it. But it is unfortunate that the kids did play as hard as you're talking about That's to get back saying. in it, and then they you didn't. Screwed. You just you just kind of gave it to them. I mean, it was yeah. it was just it was. But at minute. least it happened in this season, and not when you're actually do yeah. you're like number nine in the country, and you blew a game like that. They did blow the game. They were not. That was not a great coaching job. The last 15 seconds. Plus, it was Clemson. Horrible. Clemson ain't missing free throws, apparently. They Our number two, forthcoming. But, but that's what made the decision so bad about fouling is because yes, they're right. a better free throw shooting than yes. you are. Ah, you I don't, don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. Our number two, forthcoming headliner questions. Stay with. Take